Welcome back to the Coaching Current Podcast Network. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by the star of the show, Sal Marinello. This is episode 93 of the Podcast Network, episode 12 of the Hot Corner with Coach Sal. And Sal, I only treat you and your audience to my professional music, musical skills. Nobody else knows about it on the network. That's me a little bit on the banjo right there. Wow. Well, you know, I like the country. I had just uh, Friday night, uh, I went to, I'm a big Allman Brothers fan, and Friday night they had a tribute concert uh, for Greg Allman's 75th birthday at the Beacon Theater, where the Allman Brothers have all kinds of records for sold out shows and for years played, you know, 15, 20 nights. And I was at most of them. And um, they had a lineup of all the top country artists playing Greg Allman songs, which to me was kind of a revelation because I'm not, you know, well-versed in the country uh, genre, if you will. But like all the big names were there. The lead singer from Lady A, this group Old Dominion, uh, the Brothers Osborne, um, this other group Need to Breathe. It was just a, Gavin DeGraw. It was a great group of musicians playing great music. It was amazing. And they were backed by... This, the backing band was the Nashville Cats, uh, what I, who I understand are like the premier band in the Nashville music scene when they need backing musicians. So it was a great night. So it's, it's cool that you had that kind of country-tinged music today. Yeah, just by chance right there. I, uh, I, I like the country music I'm just starting to get into, and I like, I'm a big Lionel Richie fan. I, I always joke with my kids and all the players we help with their scholarships they send me their videos, um, highlights, and they all have, they all have this music on there, and it's all current music. Right. I always joke with them. I said, "Why don't you guys put a Lionel Richie one on there? I'll get you signed that day." <laughs> but uh, Lionel Richie did one of those with the country music uh, artists, where they did a little tribute to Lionel Richie and friends, and that that kind of got me into a little bit of country music. Yeah, he always like, said that that was one of his biggest influences, and it's interesting to to think about the the different things he's done, and that that would be an influence of his. But that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we we give the audience a little bit of everything here, uh, which is which is nice. You and I chatted a little bit earlier this week on our panel of experts. Um, you touched on it, but we, we didn't go deep into it. I know you got that topic, but you also got a couple of books that you want to chronicle uh, for our audience. Uh, you always give people homework, which I love. Um, but Ky- Kyler Murray the other night, one of my favorite guys to watch. It's like watching the video game out there. Um, tough, tough year this year. Uh, got challenged with his, I guess, I want to say inability to study, but was challenged with his contract to have to study a little bit. But just the other night, he got hurt. Um, what were you, you had some thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's just it, it's illustrative of the problem in, in in sport and training for sport. And you know, it, it serves as a, a good example. Uh, there was a, a and the name escapes me. I don't have it in front of me. Um, and, and a guy on Instagram who has a responsible account. He's not doing crazy stuff. And he very respectfully brought up, it's time to rethink how these guys are being trained. And he goes into some detail to back up his position. And he was attacked and attacked by a couple of, you know, basically PTs who were meatheads and they should know better. And we're at a point now, and I tweeted this today, um, the guy who questions what's going on in light of this horrendous uh, epidemic of injuries we're having of torn ACLs, torn Achilles, uh, and in baseball with the Tommy John, that these defenders of the status quo really should be the ones defending um, 
having to defend their position. And they're defending the status quo by attacking anyone who brings up objections to what's being done. And it's 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 um, dismissed out of hand. You're you're told that you have to prove this new system before anyone will listen to you when we have enough proof that the current system, which is, quote, the old system, doesn't work. So we need more people in the field to uh, to call out these um, people who are going to defend the bench press and defend the heavy squat and defend the deadlift and all this heavy lifting in light of all these horrendous injuries. And just for, for our audience, Kyler Murray, obviously the quarterback of, of Arizona. What, what did he do? How did he, how did he, what did he injure and how did he get injured? He had a non-contact torn ACL. It's one of the classic, there's a couple of classic body positions that um, athletes get into that cause jeopardy. He planted on his right foot and was turning to his left. That's the, one of the classic, if not the classic body posture. You plant and you're turning away from your base. And that's where the where the ACL goes. And, you know, there's been a lot said about it's the artificial turf. The Arizona surface is grass. So there's there's other things going on. You know, no one was near him. Now, he has had hamstring problems. And there are there is research data that shows that, you know, hamstring uh, fatigue and other things mechanically in the leg can lead to that. So there are, are many factors here. But you know what? When there's so many instances of these injuries, you have to look at it in light of the training. Well, um, we've talked about it, I believe, off air. I don't think I've talked about it on any of the shows, and I've talked about it with my colleagues, that Alabama has had some of their best receivers go down on non-contact uh, ACL injuries, and I guarantee you they're not sitting down and rethinking their program, You know, whereas that would make any other organization in any other field rethink things when you have you know, critical problems um, that are in seemingly – situations where they shouldn't occur. So, um, you know, we need we need people to start questioning these defenders. And when, when I say defenders of the old system, of the current system, um, those people are not actually putting forth data to defend it. They're dismissing out of hand anyone who questions what this old system is. Yeah. And I'll what's... give you one more quick example, Dave. There's a quarterback, and I said it on the show, but I'm going to repeat it here on the other show I said it. There is a quarter, a college quarterback coach he works for a, a, a major university as a quarterback coach who has gone on Instagram and has this whole series of training the chest and bench pressing for quarterbacks on and on and on. And I just made a comment that bench press is responsible for more wasted time and effort than any other exercise in the history of preparing for sports. Now, that's a little hyperbolic, but it's not too far off the mark. Well, everyone jumped on me, uh, not everyone, there were a couple of commenters jumped on me about, well, that's because Coach Sal can, can't even bench press two and a quarter, you know, the usual myopic meat-headed responses. Yeah. And yeah. my response was, in the last, uh, in, the, in the 2021, I'm sorry, in the 2022 NFL Combine, not one quarterback bench pressed. So, and then the responses to that are, well, we need more real men playing quarterback. So that shows you the mindset of, of people out there. And those are the defenders of the status quo. We're not getting a chapter and verse and data. We're getting just out of hand dismissals and stupidity. Yeah. And the sad part about it is in order to combat them, sometimes you have to hold them to the same standard that they hold you at in the same platform, which makes you the equivalent of like a nine-year-old the way you have to argue against them. But they, uh, yeah, they, I mean, 
what I would, what, what I do on those, and it's not fun, but hold them accountable on the same platform with which they're doing it and make them explain themselves uh, like they're making everybody else. And invariably they sound ridiculous. My only question is it's sometimes you look back on it, wish you'd get that time back in your life. But in order to, to get to where you're talking about, where it's not these repetitive injuries um, doing the same training, we're almost going to have to. Well, yeah. And it's going to take, it's going to take, you know, this is not going to be from the ground, uh, from the grassroots because the grassroots level, they're behind. They're just mimicking what's done at the highest level. You could go uh, and be a high school strength coach or a club uh, athletic development coach and try to change things in your team. And what's going to happen is those individuals are going to go out and and follow the local guru and do all the nonsense. And there's plenty of those people around. And that's what's basically populating social media these days. So yeah. you're going to have to get top-level guys coming out and top, some top-level performance coaches coming out and actively campaigning and, and working to change things. But it, it, I don't see that happening. So uh, that's a little fatalistic, I guess. But I, it, I, it's just – it's too bad. It's been too bad for too long, Dave. And, you know, that kind of dovetails nicely into the books I want to talk about. So um, Yeah, no, I, I think so, too. I, I just kind of put an exclamation point on that. We – I have tons of talks leading into all of our shows that we have and future guests and whatnot. And one of the main topics every time is just how unfortunate it is that our world is dictated by influencers as opposed to people with creativity and genius um, to change things. And I think that's what that's kind of what you're, you're getting at here, that we have to we have to battle these influencers who are live life on clicks and they attach themselves to people who have no self-reliance and don't question things and can't teach themselves things. and certainly have, uh, they're not high agency, not first principle. And that's why uh, you see a guy like Kyler Murray has millions of dollars invested in him now with a knee injury where basically if he trained that knee off plane, um, I'm not saying he wouldn't get hurt, but again, he'd probably be more prepared to do the things he's been asked to do. Well, my, um, what I've said to my colleagues is, you know, how often do we train in and put the body in the position of jeopardy? And I've, in my practice here, have tried to incorporate that movement, that very movement about planting and turning away from it. I have a series of movements and exercises that, you know, are constantly evolving, but I want the body at least comfortable in that position in a non-risk environment, because hopefully little by little, you know, that's going to make the body uh, used to that position. And, and the body is not because it's never trained that way. Everything is trained in what's called the sagittal plane, which is when you move front to back, forward and back, run straight ahead, backpedal. There's a little lateral training. There's very little what I call, well, there's very little rotational training, which is occurring in the what's called the transverse plane. And that's exactly that injury occurs that Kyler Murray had. He put his foot down. He's rotating away. There's very little training that's performed in that position. Yeah, well, so just so you know, one person's listening to you. After you talked about that on one of the earlier shows, we adjusted our throwing program, myself and our four kids, at, uh, and then actually our, our baseball program we work with, where we, are, we throw on the sagittal plane, but we also, we've just as much, if not more, on the ladder and rotational. So we're, we're, we're constantly putting the body in stress when we need to, so we're ready to do that. So you, you at least influenced one program here, That's so good. person's listening to you. So a couple books you passed on to me in prep for the show. Um, the, the Thinking Body. What, what's what's that a book about? So The Thinking Body was originally the syllabus and the coursework of a course. I believe it was Columbia University. It might be NYU. 
by a female professor called Mabel Ellsworth Todd. And over the course of five or six years, she compiled it into a book. It, when I first got it, you had to get it from an out-of-print publisher. Um, it was written, though, basically we're talking 100 years ago. And in that book, you know, she recognized the need for humans to train in an upright posture and in a two-foot stance. And it, it sounds you know, almost ridiculous that we have to say it, but we are bipedal and, or bipedal, however it's pronounced, and we should be doing everything in that way. We compete there. Now, obviously, if you were in a, in a different kind of sport, like I say, wrestling, where you are down on all fours, you are down on the mat, obviously, any kind of grappling, that's completely different. Um, you're you're doing skill work in those positions, so you obviously can do some conditioning work in those condition uh, in those positions. the The ridiculousness of it comes when you have vertical jump and speed coaches, and even lifting, even coaches that are trying to get you quote stronger, having athletes train in this prone on your back, on your belly, on all fours position, bridged position, where we don't operate that way. And you know, this was something that that um, Mabel Ellsworth Todd spelled out 100 years ago, and it's been ignored. We've gone through this uh, period of, uh, I, you know, incalculable amount of wasted hours and wasted effort in training not in the position that we perform in and we live in. Yeah, I think that's important for, for our, you know, I guess we have a lot of influence over the grassroots. Uh, obviously, we're, we talk about our international base over here and the pro level. Um, I mean, who do we do we go after the grassroots with something like this? Who would your who would your message be to? Well, I think you have to kind of hit it on a wide. You know, that's one of the nice things about this platform is you don't know who who hears it and who's going to be the you know the difference maker or who's going to be the agent of change. You know, is it going to be a strength coach or performance coach at uh, or someone that has the ability to change how things are done in an organization that has some emphasis that has some influence. You know, I have a couple of high level lacrosse players. I'm hoping to make inroads um, by virtue of the platform I have with them. Um, you know, again, this lacrosse is is kind of like wrestling in that it's a niche sport. I'm fortunate enough to train a player who was just voted the, the best player in professional or in all of lacrosse by his peers, uh, a guy by the name of Tom Schreiber. And I've worked with him for two years and he's He's not a kid. He's he's 30 going on 31, and he plays both indoor lacrosse, which is very physical, and field lacrosse. And he, he was one of the MVP candidates on indoor last season, and he's playing indoor now. And he was the midfielder of the year and voted the best player in the league. And I'm hoping that I can make a difference by um, appealing to people who are going to say, hey, this guy late in his career was coming to this new method of training, and he's never been better and he's actually still improving. And if it works for him, it's going to work for everybody that's not as good as him. So, um, what, you know, do you, what do you do for him with it? What will it? What do you? I mean, it's hard to. You don't have a crystal ball, but I guess when you're working backwards, reverse engineering his training, what kind of effects are you hoping to have on him with this? I guess with the information and the thinking body. Well, it, it, again, we're, we're eliminating everything that's not specific. I mean, that's you know, if I in a nutshell, here here's it's as close to a law as anything there is in the field of performance training. But if it's not specific, if the activity and training is not specific, it doesn't transfer, right? So, you know, 
and and this is a this is a quote from the book um, with the with the human structure. First mechanical obligation is to satisfactorily meet the constant pull of gravity, and she goes. Uh, Todd goes into great lengths to 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 explain that how we are built, how we have evolved to be on two feet, and how that's a superior position because it frees up both the brain and the limbs to do other high level functions. Um, things that you do like planks and other nonsense that you see crawling, crawling is okay, but crawling is, is such a rudimentary, fundamentally basic and simple exercise. It's, it should be no more than a a warm up. It warrants no more time than, you know, um, any other simple movement. It's almost like saying, you know, if you're a calculus math whiz, you're a rocket scientist, you don't spend time doing addition. you you progress past those things. So, We've eliminated everything that's not specific to task, and we've spent time teaching them how to run. And that's how I—that's what I do with most of my clients because most people don't. Most good athletes have never been taught how to run. We've talked about our, this on other shows. Oh, that was our very first episode that we had, John, way back episode one, where yeah. you mentioned that. That was that was one thing, and you gave me, uh, and I'm drawing a blank on the influence you had. Um, it was a, an international strength conditioning yeah, coach. His name is Franz Bosch, B-O-S-C-H. He's, you know, he's he was a revolutionary. You know, it, I, I forget the exact quote, but, you know, there's something about people who are trying to change things. At first, they make fun of you. or First, it's ridicule. Then it's something else. And then it becomes, at the end of the day, they want to copy you. They're mimicking you or they're stealing your stuff. And that's yeah. what I see a lot of the things that are being portrayed poorly are taken from what what Bosch has been trying to do yep, they, the middle one is violently opposed I guess it's got many different yeah ways in it but yeah it's uh no, I agree with that no, I, I like that uh, the non-essential the non-specific training eliminating it, that's something that I've gotten from you we have always done that but it's reinforced some things that that we're doing it's actually eliminated a couple of things or made us question it so Again, if you're just speaking to an audience of one, at least you know you're impacting. And, and you know, for the, the, for the limitations that there are in, if you want to look at the entirety of the animal kingdom and humans, you know, there are other creatures, obviously, that are faster and do things. But, you know, the evolutionary process that resulted in man becoming upright became the point at which they became at the top of the food chain and they actually can, can you know, the, this is the quote, they command their environment and they command the environment more than any other creature. That's why we're able to do things, uh, outmatch, outwit creatures that physically are bigger and stronger and faster than us. So for us to train in those postures is a waste of time. You know, Dave, a lot of those things are difficult. You know, I've had this response. Well, you know, planks are difficult. Certain kinds of crawling and pulling Weight sleds when you're in an all four are difficult. Well, yeah, they're difficult because we're not built to work in that position. So you're working against your genetics. You get, you know, Dave, how silly would it be if you had a baseball hitting coach come to you with a series of drills that you swung a bat when you were lying on your back? But we get exercises that are we're told are going to make us bigger, faster, stronger, jump higher in that same position. Uh, it, it, there's just a big disconnect here. I think your your point is well taken, and I, I know I, I know you use the extreme with swinging on your back, but I think the very point you're making with with um, you know I like that command their environment. 
and operating on two feet. You'll see a lot of that with, uh, you know, in our, our, one of our other hosts, Jeff Fry hits on it all day. We, you'll see strange catching drills, strange hitting drills, and it's, it's more of a circus act right now. And, um, and, and I like what you're saying. It's really, it's complicated simplicity. It's getting back to what we're supposed to do. And I love the phrase, I wrote it down, command there. We command our environment, um, being, being bipedal. So I love and, that. And you know, the thing, think about what, you know, the throwing motion has allowed us to do, you know, both in back in the days of being hunter predators uh, and hunter gatherers, I should say, um, and being obviously athletes and then getting in the gym. So you're going to tell me this position that you're in, whether it's prone or supine, where your arms are not involved uh, and you don't have the same, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You don't see the environment in the same way. And now it's going to, and your arms are not involved versus doing something on your feet. If you go to my Instagram account, Coach Sal's Playmakers, we have our athletes on two feet and their arms are engaged as well as doing complicated movement patterns with their lower body. I call it explosive coordination because our arms are involved because our higher level skill involves the use of your limb or your upper limbs. So it's just to me, common sense. Yeah, and, and that that in self describing that book helped answer a question. I know, as you know, Ted Kubiak's a big fan of the show, and he was a guest, and he's a big fan of yours. So he uh, he had asked that to me last night. We had about a ninety minute conversation on on fielding and and some things that he's trying to do. And he mentioned uh, functional training, which was a phrase we talked about last last episode with you. Yeah. So I think that answers a little bit more for him. What about the second book you had? And unless you had a little bit more on that, the story. Well, I, I just, again, it's just, it's just, I, I can't help but be stuck on this, that this information has been out there for almost a hundred years. And, uh, you know, I did a little clip on my Instagram again about, it blows my mind that this information is out there and, and people don't know the book. Um, and they don't realize this, this common sense explanation um, is missed by so many people. And, and it's just sad because so how much time could we have saved and how much energy and how many injuries could we have avoided if people just did this, like for your crazy batting drills, Dave, at least most of them are on their feet. So at least at some point it resembles what they're doing. We're talking about training for the most complex thing we do sprinting and putting people on the ground and having them sit and do the hip raises and hip extensions. I mean, it's just crazy to me. Yeah. No. And, and um, with our, with our second book that we're going to, we want you want to cover both, right? The story of the human yes, Absolutely. Yeah. I could get to that. Yeah. You wrote that book and, and uh, how, why is that important to our audience? Right, so it's, it's the story of the human body. It's written by Daniel Lieberman. I'm actually listening to it. Um, and he is basically, he goes through this, our, our how the body has evolved. And, and again, it just dovetails nicely, even though it's not about performance. Um, you know, he talks about how our body has uh, changed and how our brain is bigger and all the things that we have. And the reason that is, is because we eat meat and we have higher, we've eaten higher calorie dense food that have protein and fat in them. And that is responsible for us being again, superior across the board from a, a, a standpoint of being uh, able to command our environment. Let's, that's, a great, that's a great phrase we could use because regardless of 
our shortcomings. We don't turn as well as the four-limbed animal. We can't climb trees as well as the, the, the animal that still walk, walks on all fours and occasionally can go upright. However, we could still be in command of our environment. And, you know, it strikes me again because I always look at what we're being told is the best way to eat. And I'm going to say this point blank because the more you see these stories about what supposedly constitutes healthy eating, it's all an agenda that has nothing to do with our well-being and our health. There is no basis in biology for these plant-based, vegan, vegetarian diets. You know, I've said this from for 25 years, veganism, vegetarianism is a folly of the rich. There's no other way to say it. You know, if, if vegan vegetarianism was the savior, then we would have a lot less starvation in the world. But we don't. When you watch those naked and afraid survival shows where they're surrounded by foliage and, and fruit and sometimes seeds, they're still dying to kill the animal to get protein, to, to get the fish to get protein. So we're, we're, we're being told to do things that are counter to our biology and, and counter to how we developed as, uh, as a species. I like that. I, veganism is the folly of the rich. I can speak a little bit about that. I, I did that for a little while, but I remember the very first time I, I tried it, I think I was three days in and we went to, and this is probably terrible to tell, but I'm going to say it anyway. We were at, we were at one of those sanctuaries for animals and all I could think about was taking a bite out of the cow. <laughs> I was starving for, for meat. Um, well, you know, there's a great, and there's another, not to get, get off on the tangents of other books, but there's a great book. It's called The Vegetarian Myth. And it's written by a woman who was uh, uh, as vegetarian as you could get. Uh, and I think was a little nutty, but she actually talks about the movement and how it's actually more dangerous to the environment, if that's your thing, if you are in save the environment. Um, and it's actually, there is no such thing as a cruelty-free diet because the animals that get killed in the process of, of farming, you know, so there, there, to, talk about, um, to talk about certain things as being cruelty-free is, is ridiculous. And at the end of the day, she talks about how she ruined her body from following this vegetarian diet for, for 20 years. And, and, you know, that brings us to one more point is that um, we now have a good body of data that can study the effects of vegetarianism, veganism on people over a long period of time. And just like most of these other things where we're told, you know, the science is settled and we're told is the right way to be, they're finding that it's, it's really bad for you. And the reason people could can sustain themselves on it is because it takes about seven to 10 years for them to undo and to totally fall apart after having been brought up on a diet of meat and fat and fish and pork. Um, so the, the book is The Vegetarian Myth, if you're into one more book by Lear. It's like Pierre, but it's Lear Keith. So that's another one, The Vegetarian Myth by Lear Keith. I'm actually going to get that one because the way you describe it, I think it's something that we're personally, we're, we're always searching for the right things to eat. Um, you and I are both Italian. So we grew up eating meatballs for, yeah. for breakfast and uh, yeah, no, it's, it, there's always, especially when you get to the, you know, the ages that we're at right now, you start maybe looking a little bit more critically, but even as a, I wish I had you when I was a professional athlete because my metabolism was so high. I didn't think about what I ate. Um, and in some cases I, 
I, I look back now, I overtrained and I trained the wrong way in terms of developing my body. And I got to play three years of professional baseball, four years of college basketball. But uh, I mean, my body was way too beaten up after that time period um, to, 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 to kind of justify the work being done. And I most definitely could have trained smarter and eaten better. Well, and it's definitely a survival of the fittest. I have a colleague who was the head strength coach at the University of Wisconsin. And, you know, their approach, he obviously not his approach, but he had to, he had to see this approach that, you know what, we have so many people, if you're hurt, the next kid could do it. And that's that's really the mindset. I, again, I know another kid that I've worked with personally that's played at two top football programs. And after going through an off-season conditioning program run by the team and coming in for spring football and the kids, the, the players got high injury rate and they felt were out of shape, they punished them. Now, th they punished them by training them more when it was their program they followed in the first place. So, yeah. you know, that's the mindset you have at these places. And it's frightening because these are two well-known top-level universities. I think it goes back to the point you made in the beginning where we've got to everybody take a deep breath and start taking a look critically at what's going on and the consistent injuries and malpractice, I'll even call it, with, with some of the people who are in charge. And I think I made this phrase up. I don't think it's a real term, so don't anybody look it up. But it, I like to call it edugenic harm. It's the educator, the person in charge, the teacher, the coach. They play the part. They've gone unquestioned for so long because they play, you know, they, they, they look the part, they say the right phrases, and it's really causing more harm than good. We, we've got to get back to questioning that stuff and really getting back to basics like, like you're talking about here. Stuff's been around for ages, and we don't get any extra points for a degree of difficulty. So right. we'll talk, talk about, you know, I, I know we can, we can find you on Coach Sal's Playmakers at Instagram. Mention your sub stack, but I also want you to touch briefly on kind of foreshadowing the show a little bit. We're going to, we're going to go back in time with you a little bit and, and deal with some articles that you wrote and, and kind of send yeah. that. So I just, I want to like take a, uh, have kind of like a, a coherent thread and where we're trying to take issues and educate and at the same time use common, uh, current and common events to reinforce the, the points I'm making. So I, rather than just constantly go after you know, the event of the week or of the day, I want to have a coherent string of thought that's going to can kind of go from where we are today. I mean, I yeah. think this is a good stepping off point, pun intended, where we're talking about the most basic, obvious fact. We walk on two feet, we run on two feet, we should train on two feet. And from there, everything's going to follow. I love that. That's going to be in the show notes there, along with the books that you mentioned. And Again, you can find Sal and Coach Sal's Playmakers on Instagram. What's your Substack, Sal? It's Coach Sal M at Substack. And on, on Twitter, I'm Sal Marin at Sal Marinello. And say that phrase again. We walk on two feet. We run on two feet. We should train on two feet. Got it. That's going to be in the, the title. I love that. Sal, great episode as usual. You always hit the mark with educating our audience. We're trying to make build better, not just baseball IQ, but athletic IQs. And your show does that. I like the direction we're headed with it. And We'll invariably hit some of the knucklehead stuff of the week with, with uh, you know, with you teaching straight ahead. But tune in next week for, for the Hot Corner with Coach Sal and sign off here. Guys, great having you, Sal. Great talking with you today. Thanks, Dave. Talk soon.